Welcome to the Generational Clash Pod, helping bridge the generational gap everywhere. This past Saturday, we saw the return of TJ Dillashaw after a two-year suspension, getting a hard-fought victory over Corey Sanhagen. So this now raises the question, does this win put him in the front of the line? Yo, first and foremost, I think the wrong guy got the decision. I thought Sanhagen won the fight. I had it three rounds to two. I think he could have had an even easier time if he didn't get a little wild at times with spinning back fists and flying knees. But that's neither here nor there. Credit to TJ for looking as good as he did coming off a two-year suspension. But do you get to jump in front of the line after blocking 110 punches with your face? I think not. Supposedly, they gave TJ the win for having eight minutes of control time, basically hugging the man's back. But what happened the other 17 minutes of the fight? Dude was getting his face punched in. TJ was a bloody mess, so I don't think he should get in front of the line coming off of what appeared to be a loss in my eyes. I think he needs one more fight, and I would love to see him run this one back with Sanhagen. But for some reason or another they can't, then I have TJ fight Rob Funk. He's got to fight one more time before getting Yon or Funkmaster. That's just how I see it. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree. I do believe that this pushes him to the front of the line. Not only did he look good, but he has the name value. We're not talking about headlining a fight night here. We're talking about headlining a pay-per-view. And TJ versus the winner of Jan and Funkmaster does that. TJ is arguably the greatest bantamweight of all time. He's never lost his belt. So if you're Jan or Funkmaster, you want that fight. To consider yourself champion, you've got to beat the guy who has never lost the belt. I can't lie, I do feel for Sanhagen. He has an abundance of talent, and that fight could have went either way. But he's just going to have to fall back and be patient for a little bit. Maybe schedule him against Rob Font, and the winner gets whoever is wearing the strap at that time. But that wasn't the only fighting that happened this weekend. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship had a whole platform showdown which featured platinum artist Blueface. So it brings me to this. Crossover fights. Good or bad for the business? Look, I grew up a crazy fan of the sweet science of boxing. I remember as a kid acting like I fell asleep on the floor of the living room so I could stay up late and watch the Sugar Ray fight with my pops. But in saying all that, this may hit you as a bit of a shocker. I do like these crossover fights. I'm a project baby, man. Anytime there was a fight in school, you formed a circle and you watched. Regardless if it was the captain of the football team or a band geek, you formed a circle and you watched. There was many a day you seen a dog with the biggest bark get his ass beat by someone as quiet as a church mouse. Shit. You're an Ohioan. We all seen what happened in the Christmas story when Ralphie snapped and whipped the bully's ass. This isn't any different. It's just on a bigger platform. Instead of a circle in the schoolyard or the woods on the way home, it's on Trilla Fight Club, a Showtime pay-per-view. Let's not act like this is something that just began happening, man. In the late 90s, early 2000s, MTV he had a show that put Sticky Fingers versus some extreme X-game athlete, and Sticky got his ass beat. Celebrity boxing was a weekly event on Fox that featured Tanya Harding, Todd Bridges, Manute Bowl, Refrigerator Perry. It's just now making a little more noise because it's making a little more money. So I watched then and I'm watching now. It brings me back to a fight I seen a few weeks ago, some social media shit. KSI, the kid who beat Logan Paul. 
For those of you that don't know, KSI has a baby brother named Deji who gave Jake Paul his toughest fight to date. He was fighting some TikTok kid named Vinny Hacker, and everyone was clowning KSI's baby brother Deji because they said he was taking the easiest fight possible. And for the first two rounds, it looked that way. He was trashing the kid Vinny Hacker. It looked like Deji was going to cruise to a victory. And out of nowhere, the kid Vinny Hacker dug deep and knocked Deji the fuck out. There's an old Tyson quote that everybody likes to say. Everyone has a plan until they get punched. But I also like to think of it the other way around. No one knows what they got until they eat a shot. And seeing these kids who probably never got in a fight in their life before dig down deep and find something they didn't think they had, it's kind of entertaining to me, man. I think everybody knows how to brawl. They just got to unleash their inner dog. Well, like yourself, I am all in on these crossover fights, so much so that my coworkers at SiriusXM give me a little bit of slack for it. But it's a spectacle. It's a circus. And who doesn't love a good circus? I'm actually going to the Jake Paul Woodley fight, and I can't wait. Jake Paul is intriguing because he takes his boxing training seriously and has made enough money on his social media platform where he was able to invest that money into himself and it's paying off. Training is now his job and he doesn't look bad. I watched the Blueface fight over the weekend and I was entertained but it showed that there's levels to it and Jake Paul actually looks like he knows what he's doing. That's why the Woodley fight is so interesting. Even though Woodley's a little long in the tooth and his chin looks like it can be touched as of late, he still grew up a fighter. I mean, he was a UFC champion, and for most part, that was because of his striking. So let's see if all of Jake's resources can pay off because this is going to be a fight. And if I'm a betting girl, which I kinda am, I think I'm riding with Jake Paul because straight shots beat looping punches any day of the week. So you're saying MMA fighters don't know how to throw a punch? That's not what I'm saying. Nah, that's, nah, that's exactly what it sounds to me. you saying MMA fighters can't throw a punch. I'm just saying that Woodley gets a little wild at times. So uh, from the ring and the octagon to the round ball, first a congrats to Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks for winning their first NBA championship in 50 years. But as Giannis and the Bucks season comes to an end, a crop of the new NBA's new young superstar season is set to begin. So how deep is this 2021 draft class? And as a Cavs fan, who are you zeroing in on? Being a Cavs fan, I've had this draft circle for a while now. And the luck of the lottery balls bounced away and gave us a top three pick in what is a very deep draft class. What may be a historically deep draft class, but these first four or five guys all would have went number one in previous drafts. I mean, last year is just to name one. As a Cavs fan, I still don't feel out of the woods though yet because I'm just praying Kobe Oatman doesn't do something stupid and trade this pick for more picks because I want quality, not quantity. And Cade is going number one to Detroit. And Houston is most likely going to snatch up Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. And I would just love to be the one sitting under the glass, ready to grab that board and get that put back on whoever they don't take. I'm under the belief that the Rockets are going to take Jalen Green, though, which means the Cavs would be sitting there at number three to snatch up the seven-foot USC product Evan Mobley. This kid was two-time California Gatorade Player of the Year, a feat only accomplished by NBA champion Drew Holiday. 
This kid was Pac-12 Player of the Year. He was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year and Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. So if Houston takes green and I'm Cleveland sitting there at number three, I'm thanking my lucky stars and I'm running to the podium and announcing the pick is Evan Mobley. He can play the four or the five, maybe even a little three. But I would like to see is you re-sign Jared Allen. You keep Jared at the five. You put Mobley at the four for first year or two. And now you have a defensive front court that is a problem for most teams in the NBA. So when saying all of that, I would definitely prefer to stay at three, draft the best player available, fingers crossed that it's Mobley, and then we can we can get some pretty cool-ass T-shirts made, you know? I can see it already. Evlan Mobley, get it? Evlan Mobley? Corny, but I get it, and I would definitely buy one of those shirts. But like yourself, I am a Cavs fan, and I'm high on Evan Mobley, and I believe he would be a great get for the Cavs. But reading the tea leaves, it looks like the Cavs are shopping Colin Sexton. And if that's the case, if Jalen Green is gone, I believe the pick should be Jalen Suggs. The six foot three guard out of Gonzaga plays defense, kid is pretty clutch, and you could pair him with Garland and it makes sense because he's a bigger guard than Colin. It looks like the Cavs are ready to throw in the towel and end the Sexland experience, whether that's the right move or not. I personally think not, but I would absolutely love to work out an extension with Colin because how can you replace his 24 points per game? So I know it may sound like I'm straddling the fence a little bit. I do love Suggs, but I got to stay loyal with my guy Young Bull. So in the perfect world, they can give Colin the extension and I could see them shopping that third pick to Orlando for five and eight and maybe grabbing a Scotty Barnes and James Booknight. Because like I said, this is a historically deep draft. So now that brings me to this. In honor of the NBA draft taking place Thursday, July 29th, we've been talking about how historically deep this year's draft class is. So in your opinion, what is the greatest draft class of all time? This is a tough one because there's been some really good draft classes. I mean, LeBron is my favorite player of all time. And people like to point to his 2003 class, which was absolutely stacked. I mean, it had Bron, Melo, D-Wade and Bosch. Then there's that 84 class. I mean, MJ and Elijah Wan, what more can I say? When all said is, when when everything is said and done, I think the 2018 class will be up there with Luca, Trey, DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Colin Sexton, and, and Shea. And this year's class, 2021, will be a pretty historic class also. But when all is said and done, I think I'm going with the draft class of 1996. The late, great Kobe Bean Bryant. Jesus Shuttlesworth himself, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, the best little man scorer in NBA history, Allen Iverson, Stefan Mulberry, Marcus Camby, Peja Stoyakovich, Cleveland Cavalier great, Sodrunas Selgowskis, Big Z, I mean, Derek Fisher, Kerry Kittles, Antoine Walker, Jermaine O'Neal. I mean, shit, there was an NBA champion, defensive player of the year, slash Hall of Famer in the 96 draft class that went undrafted, Ben Wallace. So I'm definitely going to go ahead and give the edge to the 96 draft class, even if so slightly. All of them are some good choices. And I think that everyone is going to expect me to go with 
2003 because it was the draft of my favorite player and was historic for the city of Cleveland. The hometown kid getting picked by the hometown team. It was storybook. But loving the game the way I do, I think I'm going to side with 84. I mean, MJ, Stockton, Barkley, Elijah Wan, arguably the greatest player of all time in his airness, arguably the greatest big man of all time in Elijah Wan, Stockton, the all-time leading assist leader, and Charles Barkley. Who doesn't love Charles Barkley? three members of the 92 Dream Team, which is the greatest collection of talent that we've ever seen on the court at the same time. Three of them came from this draft. Add in the fact that Sam Perkins, Kevin Willis, and Otis Thorpe were also in this draft class, I'm definitely siding with 84. So there you have it, everyone. That's where generations clash. Thanks for listening to the Generational Clash. Don't forget to watch that NBA draft. And in the words of Diggable Planet, we out, we out, we out.